This is the Social Strategy Podcast, episode 17. Welcome to the Social Strategy Podcast, where it's all about making the most of your business with smart tips on what's working now in social media, online business, and good old-fashioned networking. And now your host, who's also known as Ross PR on Twitter, Vernon Ross. Hey guys, this is Vernon Ross and welcome to the Social Strategy Podcast, bringing you the best in social media, online business, and good old-fashioned networking. So I've got a treat for you guys today. I actually ran into this guest at New Media Expo and ran into him before then on some Facebook groups and just, you know, following around, but I had actually run into him kind of informally through his social network that he built called Triber. Now, if you guys aren't familiar with Triber, it is basically a voice for small bloggers to be able to get their message out to the masses. Because so often, you know, being a blogger myself and communicating with bloggers, your message just gets lost. Dino has created a platform to be able to get your message out there. But not just that. I mean, he's been featured in Forbes, Yahoo News, the Biz Journals, Technocrati, Huffington Post, Business Insider, and the list just goes on and on and on. I mean, he spoke at IBM, Rutgers, uh, and of course, New Media Expo, which he did an awesome talk about influence and basically creating, you know, crazed fans. And I, it was a just great all around. And I'm really, really excited if you guys can hear to have Dino on the podcast. So Dino, welcome to the Social Strategy Podcast. What's up, Bonan? What's up, man? <laughs> How you doing, Frozen? I'm doing good. Awesome. Thanks for the intro. That was lovely. I've been working on those, and you yeah, are a yeah. global force for badassery. I, I, <laughs> I just, I love that, man. I do. That's, that is so funny. It's so, a, it's a tagline I'm trying to live up to. No, no, no. I think you're doing a good job at it. I loved your, uh, I Thanks. loved your talk at New Media Expo because you you compared basically if you can get people to die for you. <laughs> you can actually, you should be able to sell them something. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That was, uh, what, like two years ago, Insane Loyalty, you were at that talk? Yeah, well, no, you know, actually, I heard that talk. Gotcha. I forgot what you did at New Media Expo this year. I thought you, didn't you go Crowdsourcing. Talk at New Media? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I talked about crowdsourcing influence, which is this uh, new thing, right? We all know about crowdfunding. Mm -hmm. uh, that's been bleeding edge for a couple of years now. Uh, but uh, so crowdfunding is all about the individual, the artist raising money from, you know, a bunch of people. So uh, there's a flip side to that coin, which is brands need to raise influence. They have money. They need to raise influence. The problem with influence is, you know, Traditionally, they would go to a guy like Michael Jordan, right? Like, think Michael Jordan for Nike, right? He was their influencer. Right. Um, but the problem with that is uh, there's only one Michael Jordan, so he doesn't scale, right? Um, and then, uh, you know, there's all these uh, mini celebrities online. Uh, Vernon, you have an audience on your podcast, right? Uh, it may not be Michael Jordan-sized audience, but it's a small, loyal, attentive audience. Yeah, there's like the, two people that listen, so yeah. Yeah, I'm, but, I'm you awesome. know, if it's two people who are going to take action when you say something, then that's significant, right? Right. The problem for brands is it doesn't pay for Nike to manage one Vernon. You know, or to hire one Vernon as a brand ambassador. But you put hundred of you, hundred of us together, 
and give Nike the ability to manage us as a singular unit so the management cost doesn't go up. But uh, uh, they get 100 influencers, each of them with a small audience, all of them sharing and collaborating on content and, uh, you know, executing uh, the goals of the campaign and whatnot. And now all of a sudden that becomes interesting to a brand. So that's what I was talking about uh, this year uh, at uh, NMX. And uh, the year before that, I was talking about insane loyalty, which is, you know, just creating insanely loyal fans right yeah you know i've watched so many videos over the past few days that they've all run together (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome i know i heard it i don't remember if i was there i was there for (laughs) something (laughs) that was a big blur of a weekend that was it was an awesome weekend though and i I enjoy both talks i mean they still resonate with me and i've talked to that subject uh with tons of people and especially bloggers because i deal with a lot of bloggers just in my Mm -hmm. business and giving advice and that's one of the things. It's like, well, how do I get these? I, t- I talk to a lot of mom bloggers, and they're like, well, how mm-hmm. do I get these brands to pay attention to me? And I don't mm-hmm. have, you know, hundred thousand visitors a month. And yeah, you know, I'm like, well, you got to build build a tribe around you. You know, get mm-hmm. get a Twitter following that's loyal that actually takes action. Don't just follow a lot of people for the sake of following, but actually follow and interact with people. So that way, brands see that, hey, if you actually tweet something out that you will get replies and retweets and responses to whatever it is that you're doing because your followers actually trust you, mm-hmm. which is which is what I think you've done with Triber. And how did you guys come up with the idea for that? I don't know that story. Uh, yeah, so uh, it all started, you know, um, it was naturally born out of uh, what uh, what I was doing at the time. So this is uh, going back to 2009. In 2009, I essentially made a living. That year, I made my living as an SEO guy. Uh, but I saw what was happening to the whole SEO and Google thing, right? I mean, Google has been just slamming people left and right. Um, just destroying uh, people's livelihoods. Yeah. Uh, every time they change an algorithm and whatnot, right? And I saw the uh, problem, fundamental problem with SEO, uh, uh, which is, you know, uh, if you were a new blogger coming out in 2009, 2010, 2011, uh, and when I say blogger, I really mean any content creator, you know, um, podcaster, YouTuber, it doesn't matter. Uh, if you were a new person coming online, uh, you had an uphill battle, man. Google didn't want to know you. Google didn't want to talk to you. They do. Google didn't want to index you. And besides, even when Google indexes you, it's still like three ads on top, 10 ads on the side, mm-hmm. plus 10, uh, nine other search <laughs> results, right? right? It's like you're compete. It's like Google is throwing us crumbs, right? So I'm like, screw this. Uh, Google's this uh, Google thing. It wasn't working, uh, dude. And I was doing like cutting edge gray hat stuff, uh, in 2009, like, uh, using, uh, what is it called? Bookmarking demon uh-huh. to, um, to, um, uh, run scripts so that uh, my new blog post would get indexed on social bookmarking sites. Back then it was like delicious and like whatnot. Right. Right. I remember so, that. I would publish a blog post, right? I'd run a script, and my stuff would get bookmarked across 3,000 other bookmarking sites. Oh, my God. Right? <laughs> That's um, crazy. So like, I was uh, running, like, cutting-edge stuff back then, but what really worked for me was 
I was reading other bloggers' uh, content. I was commenting on their content. We were connecting on our blogs. They were sharing my stuff. I was sharing their stuff. Um, and we were, you know, we were connecting on Skype. We were interviewing one another. We were learning from one another. Uh, uh, and when they shared my content, their audience came to my blog. Mm-hmm. And when I shared their content, because I couldn't pump out 50 posts per day the way Mashable and Huffington Post does. You know what I mean? Right. I could publish maybe a couple of few times a week, right? Um, so when, you know, when I share their stuff, because there's just – I can't, like, share my stuff 20 times per day. You know what I mean? Right. When I share their stuff, my audience goes and connects with them, right? Um, so I had a tribe, that was the thing that was working. I had a tribe, and we were – it takes a village to raise a kid, man. It takes a village to raise a blog, right? So we were helping one another get uh, each other's content out there. The problem was it didn't scale, right? Once you reach about 15 people, it just didn't scale. Each lo- you lose track of each other and whatnot. And then Dan Christo, my co-founder, he's like, uh, um, you know, I want to start blogging. He's an SEO guy, um, uh, you know. So he's like, you know, I want to start blogging and whatnot. Uh, so like, how do you bring s- this new kid, right? Um, and get the other fifteen or twenty uh, uh, people in your tribe to sort of pay attention and bring him in, start sharing his stuff, and so on. Right. Right. Um, the, logistically, it was really like difficult to handle. So we're like this gotta be a platform out there that helps bloggers do this there wasn't so we built one wow it's called triber yeah no it's, <laughs> it's crazy i uh, i think i joined triber a while back and actually didn't touch it didn't do a thing with it and then i heard you on the oh so interesting podcast with cynthia mm. sanchez mm-hmm. and i'm like you know what i need to be paying attention to triber mm-hmm. and then i realized like oh wait this is dino the same yeah, guy yeah, yeah. as in the podcasters world <laughs> Facebook yeah. group that I belong to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, wait. He's going to be speaking at New Media Expo. Wait, I think I've heard. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm everywhere, man. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, Trapper is, is awesome. And I think that um, it was controversial when you guys first launched this. And I'm not 100% sure why. Mm-hmm. I've read a, a few blog posts about why it was controversial. Why do you think it was? Uh, you know, so we built Triber when when we first launched Triber. Um, it was pretty much automated. In other words, uh, a new blog post, and we still do this piece. Uh, a new blog post that you publish on your blog would get automatically sucked into Triber, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then let's say you had like ten people in your tribe or whatever, they would automatically share that stuff uh, to Twitter. Right. Right. So so once you join a tribe, um, you know, uh, and somebody publishes something uh, 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 on their blog post, it gets automatically shared. Yeah. So, which I don't think is bad. Uh, well, here's the thing. Right. So it never even occurred to me that people would trade uh, um, shares for quality. <laughs> right? right. It never even occurred. To, like I had this really tight knit group of bloggers and that's what that's what we needed. I had about 20 people in my circle that I, I, I it's like I trusted everything they published, everything they published every time they bring thunder every time. Right. Um, and, you know, setting them on auto. I already had them on auto with like uh, I forgot the name of the service. Right. 
Uh, it's just that it, now they could have me on auto as well. It was like mm -hmm. it was mutually reciprocated, right? So it never even occurred to me that people would just like bring other crappy bloggers in order to get their shares. Right. Like that was completely out of the scope of uh, my reality. Why would somebody want to do that? I mean, it's ineffective. You get a share, but so what? Right. Um, so uh, that was Triber was automatic uh, for the first four months, and people who understood. Um, how to use it. It's a, it's a tool, right? You can use a hammer to build a house or to smash somebody's head in, right? <laughs> exactly. uh, it's all about who's using the tool. So people who understood the tool and weren't will, willing to trade shares for quality, uh, they loved it, right? And people, uh, and there, was a, there were people who used, uh, abused the tool, right? And gave the tool a bad name. Um, so we were auto for the first four months, and then we added manual options so you could put people on manual. Mm -hmm. And after about six months, um, we uh, uh, made manual the default option and with the ability to put some people on auto. Um, so, uh, so, you know, that early buzz uh, both benefited us tremendously uh, and it also harmed us. Yeah, uh, you take yeah, the good with the bad. It, it's one of those things where if you look at Pinterest when Pinterest first started, you could link to just about any affiliate program on Pinterest. And I have. Without, yeah, I did the same thing without any <laughs> problems. And then they got hip to it because they were actually doing it too. And too many spammers were doing it and using it for evil. So they took it mm -hmm. away. I mean, yeah, it's it's with any I think any social network that starts up, you have to figure out what the what the good with the bad is, just like with Twitter and bot accounts that are still there and prevalent. And now they, mm -hmm. they, you know, they'll they'll shut down your account if you're posting too much yep. at one time. I mean, it was the same thing with MySpace. I think it's a, a thing that all social networks go through when the when the evil marketers come out and start trying to just, you know, push out links. And it still happens, but I don't think it's that big a deal. Always in beta, man. You know, you you're breaking new ground. You're building new stuff. Uh, you're giving uh, people a lever that they didn't have before, right? So sometimes we go overboard. Sometimes we don't. Some, you know, and it's all about tweaking. Always in beta, right? So you know, being the owner of a social network, I mean, that's crazy. It just in itself. But I noticed that you know, when you share a post on Triber, that you can share to Facebook or Twitter. Why not Google Plus? Uh, they don't have an API yet. Oh, uh, correction. They did roll out an API recently, so now we have to make that uh, scheduling thing. I'm not even sure if they have that functionality. Mm -hmm. um, but programmatically, uh, we couldn't. Oh, so okay. now they have – because, you know, we would li love to schedule to, like, stumble upon as well, right, mm -hmm. and a bunch of other places, but they don't have an API. They don't have a way for us to do that. So Twitter, now Facebook, and LinkedIn do, so. Right. Now, when you um, with, with, how do you feel about Google Plus? Because I know a lot of people are are migrating to Google Plus from Facebook just because of the whole Facebook reach thing, and I'm sure we'll get into that too. But <laughs> yeah, you know, how do you feel about Google Plus? Well, I don't know to... that Google Plus is the answer. In fact, I, I'm positive that it's not. Um, uh, Google is really disappointing, man. Google has disappointed me again and again. Um, the 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 thing that they use to attract the makeup, you know, like uh, makeup on a girl, mm -hmm. uh, uh, the thing they use to attract, they're really good at that, which is the search, right? Sort of, 
right? But the problem with Google is uh, uh, they're not innovators. People give them credit for being innovators, but they're not innovators. Uh, in 2009, the online culture changed. It changed dramatically and drastically. We went from a backlinking culture to a sharing culture. Mm -hmm. Sometime in 2009, Twitter and Facebook became, um, um, you know, pervasive. Everyone started using it. Uh, and, I mean, think about it, Vernon. When was the last time you linked to someone? Oh, wow. Yeah, it's been versus, a while. Yeah. Versus when was the last time you shared something? Oh, share stuff all the time. Right, right. So, like, think about it from Google's perspective, right? Um, sometime in 2009, all these signals that they used to get about the quality of the page, the backlinks, just disappeared. Like, I can, I know yeah. there was a meeting with a chart, and the chart was just <laughs> showing just a dive in, in these uh, uh, backlinking signals, right? And they're like, oh, crap, what do we do now? And their answer was to essentially build Facebook with a Twitter trust model. So it's Facebook features, but in order for them to grow it as fast as possible, uh, they made it a Twitter trust model. In other words, mm -hmm. I can follow you, but you don't have to follow me back. Right. Whereas Facebook is, you know, I friend you, you friend me back. So uh, Facebook is a deeper trust network. Uh, it's deeper than Twitter, uh, it's deeper than G+. G+, and Twitter, from a trust perspective, are the same. Um, Facebook and LinkedIn, uh, I have to connect with you, you have to connect with me back. So it's a slightly deeper trust model, right? Uh, and then Triberry is even uh, more deep in terms of trust, right? C because in order for us to be in the same tribe, I not only have to trust you and you have to trust me, but I have to trust you with my audience, and you have to trust me with your audience. Yeah, and uh, you have to be approved in order to be in a tribe, right? Or added as a member in order to contribute to the content. Correct. Uh, you can follow any tribe, at least the ones that are not protected. But you can follow any tribe and uh, you see their content. But you have to be a full-fledged member for the rest of the tribe to see your content. Right. Yeah, so what, what kind of value do you actually think the Google Plus holds versus Facebook? I love uh, Google Hangouts, man. I think Google Hangouts are great. Uh, uh, it's just, I, I love, I mean, from a technical perspective, it's buggy, it's difficult, it's not intuitive and all that stuff. But uh, uh, when you figure it all out and you do a Hangout and it's published on your YouTube channel, it's just brilliant. Right. No, that's crazy. So how, how does a small business take advantage of Triber and use it to build a platform? Well, you know, small business needs to have a blog and uh, needs to take, take their so, uh, employees and uh, get every single employee to start sharing those blog posts, like create a first ripple effect. Uh, an easy way to do the sharing piece is to uh, have them, you know, set up a tribe or tribe for your employees. Right, so that's how Triber can help. But really, you know, Triber is a tool that you use to uh, implement your social strategy. You have to sort of back up and figure out what your social strategy is. In fact, if you don't mind, uh, I'd love to talk about that stuff. Yeah, no, go right into it. Because so I'm doing a talk at this networking event uh, in Jersey um, on Thursday, the 27th. Um, it's probably this, this podcast is probably going to be published way past that. Um, <clears throat> but it's about how to get these businesses online, and I'm sort of you know working out the talk in my head. And the example that's it's a really great example. 
1969, uh, a tiny little clothing store opened its doors in uh, San Francisco for the first time. Uh, and this tiny little store managed to capture their entire marketing strategy, their entire essence, the essence of the times, their entire philosophy and core values with three little letters. And those three little letters are GAP. GAP as in generational GAP. GAP as in these are not your father's genes GAP, right? Now, once you understand uh, your core value, really, uh, your philosophy, and let's say it's GAP. Let's say in 1969, there was Twitter and Facebook, right? Now, think about the social media strategy for GAP, right? They said, these are not your father's genes, these are, this is the clothing for the counterculture movement. They took a stand on one side of the fence, and they said the establishment, the you know, the old farts, the um, you know, the old guard, the plasticity of the 1950s, and Stepford Wives, and all that scarcity mentality or whatever. That's not us. We're all about counterculture movement. Uh, we're all about, you know, free love and whatever else comes with it, right? Right. So that instructs uh, um, uh, the content for Gap right there. Like if Gap started a blog back in 1969, <clears throat> they could have profiled bands like the Grateful, Grateful Dead. And it would be completely congruent with their brand. They could showcase, uh, um, you know, events that uh, are going to uh, happen in the uh, in the area that that uh, you know are helping to connect um, their type of customer, their type of people, right? Um, they could talk about other uh, efforts, other uh, uh, companies, even that are doing stuff that's congruent with uh, the counterculture movement, and they could even highlight uh, the bad stuff that the old generation is doing. So all of this would be perfectly congruent with their philosophy and their brand. Uh, so their core philosophy instructs their content uh, in terms of what to write on the blog, and then it also instructs uh, them what to share on Twitters and Facebooks of the world, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I th that's where you start. You start with this um, you know, core philosophy of what it is that you're about, uh, and then that will uh, instruct the rest of your efforts. And then, you know, what's the point of social media? The whole point of the social media is to escalate the intimacy. So Twitter is a low trust network, but it's easy access. It's low obstacle, right? So you connect with someone or something on Twitter, and the idea is not to stay there because, dude, million-dollar deals don't happen on Twitter. No, no deals happen on no, Twitter. They don't. A few, but not, nothing like that. Nothing like that, man. So you use Twitter to open up a conversation, and then you escalate that to uh, you escalate the intimacy, right? You escalate that intimacy to Facebook or um, uh, LinkedIn or maybe a Google Plus Hangout or whatever, right? And from that, you escalate the intimacy further to a phone call or a Skype call or whatever, right? And then you escalate that intimacy to an in-person meeting. In-person meetings is where you close million dollar deals right. right so i mean i could totally see gab back in the day putting on a concert helping people um helping their customers connect with one another and bringing them all together and whatnot right thus escalating the intimacy and using twitter uh and then facebook and so on to drive people to this physical space that's that's interesting i was um i was actually looking at this the, the event that you're doing on Thursday. 
Mm-hmm. Number one, you're going to get get to meet Joe Piscopo. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I mean, Joe Piscopo, man, the legend. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, when you talk to this group of small business people, and you you talk about this subject that you just so eloquently described on how you actually build that relationship. How do you get them to understand for their individual business? Because, you know, the first thing you're going to hear is, well, that may work for some businesses, but that doesn't work for my business because my business is different. Mm -hmm. You always hear that my business is different. How do you get, say, a a pizza delivery place? Mm -hmm. So I love pizza. I shouldn't be. I do, too. So, you know, how do you you get them to understand how to make that leap and, and tie social media together because they they always hear from social media consultants like me well you need to be on twitter and you know you need to be on facebook you need to be in these social networks but when they don't see a return on the investment or they don't understand how they're going to see a return on investment so they don't even you know get serious about using it how do you how do you bridge that gap to their understanding of what makes it valid for them it's a great question so when you were talking about this stuff and you brought up pizza and you brought up businesses, they don't see themselves as, you know, the kind of business that even has a core philosophy. Um, it's, for, first of all, let's not uh, pretend that this is going to be easy, right? Um, you know, I, there probably are businesses that shouldn't be in, in, in business. True. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they are. Right. And that's kind of one of the problems. Like um, I, I, I so I I'm, it's probably tainted a little bit because I had a bad experience with it myself. Uh, but uh, I had my car towed from in front of my house. I thought it was stolen. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so <clears throat> my car got towed. And this was like a few weeks back and I had to go get it. And uh, uh, the towing company was um, like in this industrial area. And not only, so it's scary to begin with, right? Um, and but not only that, it's like way tucked in the back, right? Uh, they don't take credit cards. You have to pay cash. It's like what? Really? Right? I know, right? So so it's just shady to the nth degree. And I'm thinking to myself, Jesus Christ! Like I'm a dude, right? I'm like thirty some odd years old. Um, I'm a dude. I'm pretty well built. I can handle myself. Um, but I'm going through this thing, and I'm like, Geez, can, I, can you just imagine like a, a teenage girl or an old lady uh, coming here to pick up her car? Yeah. I mean, so like that business being on a social, like I can't even see it. You know what I mean? Right. Doesn't mean that they couldn't or wouldn't or whatever, but it's like you get your get your house in order maybe first. I don't know. With pizza, you know, the the thing that came to mind with pizza that you mentioned was, um, what was it? Domino's, thirty minutes or less, or your money back, right? Or something like that, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, they crushed it when they came out with that, right? Um, and you know, it wasn't about pizza. It was about trust and reliability in the 30-minute or less service. It was about time management. It was about, it was about all these intrinsically valuable things that, that weren't about pizza. Italian place could have done oh, – sorry, well, pizza is kind of Italian. Mexican place could have done the same thing, right? Right, right. And it wouldn't have been about the Mexican food itself. It would have been about all these other things, Right. Yeah, the so, fact that it takes forever to get a pizza when you order from any place else except for Domino's. 
not only does it take forever, but it just feels like it takes forever, (laughs) which is even worse, right? (laughs) Because, like, in reality, it may be 28 minutes, right? Uh, But it feels like an eternity when you're waiting for pizza, right? Yeah. Uh, so, and I know, I forgot the guy's name, uh, but I know there was like a Chicago pizza place that was just crushing it, uh, uh, on Twitter a couple of years ago. Oh yeah. I do remember. I, they, they actually made it around the social media, you know, speaking world for a bit. Cause I think Gary Vaynerchuk mentioned him and somebody else mentioned him. I know exactly who you're talking about. Right, 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 right. Um, so like a pizza place, uh, um, uh, you know, I, I think they got it easy, man. You, you, you know, um, I lived in Tucson for a while, uh, and um, uh, a pizza place that I always went to was this uh, uh, pizza joint. Uh, I think it was called Anthony's. But, dude, I've had pizza all over the world. Uh, I grew up in Bosnia. I had pizza there. Uh, I lived in Croatia, which is right across the street from Italy, right across the uh, Adriatic Ocean right. uh, from Italy. I had pizza there. I've been in Sweden. I've been in Jersey. I've been in New York. I've had pizza all over the place, man. But this spot had the best pizza hands down. <laughs> right. And the reason they had the best pizza hands down is because uh, of the quality ingredients and the wood burning oven that they used and all these elements uh, that they've brought together that just made a superior pizza. Right. Um, and if I were them, my, you know, my core philosophy, my core values now, it's not about time anymore. Right. Now it's about quality and the experience and, you know, all of these other intrinsic things. But really, we need to go back to the beginning, which is uh, no one said this was going to be easy, right? Most of us are on autopilot most of the time. We have no idea why we're doing things. We think we're doing it for money, but we're, we're not, right? Like if you could uh, um, have guys do things for girls, right? Yeah. That's really why we do everything. Of course. Uh, and, and we, you know, money, right? It's like, uh, and I could totally give you a scientific explanation of why that is, but I don't think it's necessary. I think most people understand this intuitively. Um, uh, you know, if we could have uh, all the girls we want or ever, any girl we want without money, we wouldn't care about money. But we think that money will bring the kind of girl we're trying to get or that the house or the car that we drive will bring the kind of girl that, uh, that we want to get. Uh, so, you know, we don't do things for money. Right. We do it because uh, we think that money will bring the secondary benefits. And most of us are on autopilot uh, most of the time. So. Figuring out your philosophy requires you to stop, pause for a minute, and you're going to need to figure out what it is that your business is about. And then from that, the strategy will naturally naturally evolve. Yeah, you know, I think that's um, that's powerful because, I, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, most of the time you are on autopilot and you don't know why you're doing the stuff you do, especially in business. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, no, I got a tweet. I better tweet today. Right. Oh, man, I haven't had a blog post in a, in a bit. I better put out a blog post. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. And I don't know, just getting businesses to understand that it's not about frequency. It's about the quality and making sure that you are delivering the message that you want people to have about your business in whatever content you're putting out. And if that's yeah. every day, then great, as long as it goes along with your brand. But if it's not every day, make sure that when you do something, it actually means something. Exactly. Now that that is that is crazy. So <laughs> I had a tow story like that too, where uh, mm-hmm. my my car got towed from in front of my job, 
Mm-hmm. I was working down in the city one time and just didn't realize I got in a parking ticket or like a you know parking meter ticket and didn't forgot about it and they came and towed my car. Oh man, yeah, yeah. I thought it was stolen and and they're oh no, it was towed. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I had to go down. No credit cards. No, you got to go get cash. And the place was down in the projects. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> where, where, where's my car? Yeah, it was, it was it's insane. How does a business like that go online and open itself up to public? I, I don't right. know. Like hashtag, I you're screwed. Know. We told your car. Yeah. 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 But maybe there's something there. Maybe you're onto something. You know, like I, I, I would have appreciated a tweet. Right, right. <laughs> and Dino Deegan, all of you, the tar coin place, you know, cartooning places if you uh tow your car again why'd your car get towed just parked in front of your house on the wrong day um yeah i i did this was like a few weeks ago i think it was a cleaning day so and they actually tow for that well they they uh so i've I've lived here for a while so i've gotten uh, my share of tickets for being parked on a cleaning day (laughs) so i I no see it no see it (laughs) i think this time they're like okay this guy does not learn right right so now, now be, being from Bosnia, when, uh-huh. when did you actually come to the United States and how did you get started in business? Uh, so, uh, yes, I am from Bosnia, born and raised. Uh, I came to the United States uh, in 95. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, uh, how did I get started in business? I don't know. Well, at first I was just looking for a job, any job, right? Right. Uh, but uh, in 90, I want to say 98, um, 99, I started, um, uh, I started working with computers and, uh, back then, uh, the computer industry, the IT industry, information technology industry was just exploding, man. And if you knew how to use a mouse, you were a computer expert. That's right. So, um, you know, I, I, I got lucky and I got a job as a network admin, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I, I worked, worked from, you know, from that point forward, right. Uh, I, it is a certification driven field. I got mm-hmm. all the certs in the world, man. Uh, Microsoft certified systems engineer, uh, Cisco certified, uh, uh, was it CCNP network professional? Yeah, CCNP. I got a CC, CCIE written. I passed that stuff. Holy crap. Yeah, dude, I was serious, man. Uh, so I was in that industry for like 10 years before I uh, uh, decided to sort of start playing with uh, uh, the idea of owning my own business. Mm-hmm. So I had a really unsuccessful uh, DVD kiosk type business. This is before Redbox became pervasive and before Netflix uh, was declared the clear winner. Um, you were ahead of your time, that's all. Well, I, you know, it didn't work. It took about two years to fail. Uh, and I dumped about 50,000 bucks, uh, into the business that I didn't get back. Yeah. Uh, uh, so that was my first unsuccessful foray into business. And then in 2009, um, I, uh, quit my corporate gig. Uh, I worked for, uh, um, you know, last, let's see, three years, uh, it was for Accenture. And then before that, about six years for another big company. So I, I did my, you know, uh, time in the corporate world, and I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. So 2009, I struck out on my own. I uh, I was doing some consulting, uh, mostly for politicians. I'm not proud of that. Um, and then in 2011, we started Triber. Oh, sweet, sweet. Yeah, I know you wrote for Technocrati and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I've written for Technocrati and, uh, you know, uh, yeah, but, you know, it's 
Technorati's good. Uh, Technorati's great. You know, right. uh, you know, every once in a while I write something for them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so you know, being in being in social media and stuff like that, I I speak at some conferences and mm-hmm. I talk to a lot of speakers, guys that do public speaking. How did you How did you get your first speaking gig? Oh, dude, I've always been a performer. You know, uh, eighth grade, um, back in Bosnia, uh, me and my boys, uh, or put on a, like a, like it was a, like an eighth grade graduation party. Right. And, uh, we had a band playing, uh, at this thing. Right. And we hired ourselves to be the band to play this thing. Right. <laughs> so I've been a musician my whole life. So I've been a performer my whole life. Uh, so, um, so, uh, and then, uh, uh, for six years, I was teaching. Um, I was I was a trainer for like six years, teaching other computer geeks how to become bigger computer geeks. Nice. So I mean, there was, that's just a speaking gig, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that goes on and on and on. And uh, I've spoken at uh, industry events, IT uh, industry events back then. And then when I started doing the whole social media thing, um, whatever that means, I don't know. You know, it was just natural for me to look for uh, speaking opportunities. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I love public speaking. My podcast, Road to Ted, mm-hmm. uh, is all about public speaking. Yeah, I was actually just going to get to uh, Road to Ted. Now, was that your brainchild? Mike Brooks, uh, the uh, host of Nuclear Chowder Podcast. Mike and I have known each other for a couple of years now. We have a great working relationship. Uh, and uh, he came to me and he's like, uh, we should do a podcast together. And I'm like, dude. I have no time for a podcast. Are you kidding me? He's like, all you got to do is, you know, plug in your microphone and, you know, talk to me for, you know, uh, half an hour, an hour. I'll do the rest. I'm like, deal. (laughs) You know, if you're going to do everything else that's involved in a podcast, I I can turn my uh, microphone on for uh, an hour, right? Yeah, I've got time for like three more of those. (laughs) Yeah, right? So, uh, so then we started to figure out uh, what it is that uh, we wanted the podcast to be about. And uh, we landed, we tossed around several different ideas. One of them was um, kind of like um, uh, debunking social media myths, mm-hmm. right? Because um, that would be so easy and yeah, it would fun. Be easy and fun to do. But it wouldn't have been generative. It wouldn't have been uh, positive in a way, right? Uh, it would be about sort of uh, shutting some stuff down, which yeah. needs to be shut down. But still, it would be like a bit session, right? Well, you know, like you said, creating polarity is good sometimes. It is. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, I, I, I've done enough of that. I'm like, <laughs> let's do something generative. Let's do something positive, something that people can get something out of it. And both Mike and I really enjoy uh, public speaking. And, of course, pinnacle of public speaking is TED. Uh, and uh, we're like, how about we just interview uh, TED and TEDx speakers about their journey to, um, you know, uh, speak at a TED event about their uh, preparation. So that's where the whole thing came from. Awesome. Now, have you done a TED Talk yet? I have not. Are you thinking about doing one? I would love to. Yes, Absolutely. You know, I, I, I've never known I, the TEDx events. We've got one here in St. Louis, and I think we've got a couple TEDx groups here in St. Louis, and people speak at those from time to time. But I don't think it holds the same prestige as just a regular TED talk. Well, so there's a couple of different uh, uh, ways to look at that. Uh, first of all, you're absolutely right. Right. There are uh, hundreds, maybe thousands of TEDx talks across the world every year, but there's only one TED. Mm -hmm. 
You know what I mean? So naturally, the selection process uh, uh, in the prestige is going to go to the uh, the TED Talk, right? Right. But, and here's the flip side to that. Um, most people have no idea what the difference between TED and TEDx uh, Talk is. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so that's one point. The, uh, the next point is a lot of talks that uh, uh, that are prestigious that uh, that you think are TED talks, uh, the talks that have uh, made careers are actually TEDx talks. So Simon Sinek, for example, start with why was uh, a TEDx talk. Yeah, I heard that talk and that was it was awesome. I'm like, oh, man, that was an awesome. Right. TED talk, And I didn't realize until. I don't know, probably months later that it was actually a TEDx event. Right. Uh, Ari Mizell, which we, we've had him on the show, um, uh, gives an amazing talk, and he got a ton of exposure, uh, and it's a, it's a very well-known talk. Uh, and uh, it's on the TED website, and people don't realize that it's a TEDx talk. <laughs> that is crazy. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. No, so, we've, uh, it's, it's an interesting dynamic because I've heard a couple is. people in the industry, you know, that are around goes, oh, well, it's just a TEDx talk. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. I wonder, you know, since you do a lot of events and you speak at a lot of places, how you felt about the difference between TED and TEDx and are you really valid with a TEDx talk? You know, but I think I think you proved it. I think you are. I mean, it's 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 minors. You know what I mean? But uh, minors lead to majors. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, so what, uh, I'm cool with that. No, no, no. Cool. What what's what's the most interesting thing you're working on right now? Outside of Triber, or is it within Triber? Oh well, so well, let's talk about outside of Triber, and because um, I can't talk about the thing that's inside Triber. Uh, we're going to be rolling out a new super cool feature that I'm very excited about, but I can't talk about it yet. Well, you know, you know, a lot of people break news on my show. I've had, I've had that happen like four uh, dude, times now. I'd love to come back and talk about it. <laughs> All right, I'll have, and, to have you back. And the reason uh, I can't talk about it is because I've promised the exclusive to somebody else. Ah. I'm sorry. Um, What's uh, your favorite pizza, man? I'll send uh, you a pizza. Uh, you know, uh, the uh, I, I, I'm a traditionalist. The just uh, pizza. I think they call it pizza. Uh, what is it? Margarita or uh-huh. marinara or whatever? Yeah, yeah. No, margarita, right? Yeah, pizza margarita. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. Um, but the thing I'm really excited about is this new project, again, with Mike Brooks and a guy named Ozzy Rodriguez, who is a WordPress developer guy, mm-hmm. uh, also a blogger and whatnot. Uh, we're uh, working on something called AmazeBrain.com. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Uh, and uh, AmazeBrain is, um, well, for now, it's just a webinar. Uh, we're releasing a, a sales page this week that's going to, you know, um, uh, essentially offer a webinar. And the first webinar that we're offering is uh, for guys like you, Vernon, uh, for businesses, for content creators uh, to build your own mobile app and to funnel customers to, you know, you, to your business. Right, so it's a whole webinar built for business, not for developers. Right, uh, it's for business-minded people who want to gain new leads, new customers, new clients, new readers, whatever, new listeners, whatever that is. Um, so, how do you do that? Um, a mobile, a mobile is exploding, obviously. Right, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people don't realize that they can build their own mobile app in like thirty minutes or less. We're going to do it on the webinar. 
I'm going to build a mobile app in front of everybody. Uh, and that's going to be 30 minutes. And the rest of the time, we're going to spend uh, uh, figuring out how to um, uh, leverage that mobile app to get more clients, more businesses, more readers, um, you know, grow your audience and so on. Right. You know, since you, I got a question about that. Go ahead. You know, there, there are other mobile app builders out there, and I'm sure this is not going to be one of the cookie cutter mobile app builders because you don't put out stuff like that. But the question I, I think that would hit a lot of people is, okay, this is another platform for me to promote on. How do I actually get traffic to it? Right. Yeah. That, that's, are you asking me? Yeah. Yeah. How do you, how would you get traffic to a mobile app? So, um, without so going I, too far into it before you launch it. No. So uh, there's, uh, there's probably about eight or nine different methodologies we can discuss. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, 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 I'll give you one. Okay. So, uh, I have a mobile app in the app store right now. It's called Dino Dogan. You can download Dino to your pocket. Set it to vibrate for best results. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and what um, the thing is, I create a lot of content. Uh, I guess I'm a guest on a lot of podcasts, like I am now. I have uh, my own blog, dinadogan.com. I have diyblogger.net blog. I have Triber blog. Uh, I have a YouTube channel. I have Road to Ted uh, podcast. I create a lot of content. And if you wanted to consume more of my content, you'd have to go to like 10 different places, right? Mm -hmm. So what I do with my app, I consolidate all of that content into a singular app, right? So let's keep that in, uh, in the back of our heads as I introduce the next concept. Now, when you, Vernon, go to dinodogan.com, um, uh, uh, the uh, the phone on your phone or an iPad or an iPhone or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a little pop-up box says, um, hey, would you like to... Uh, uh, DinoDogan.com has a mobile version of the site. Would you like to download the mobile app? So you say yes because it's going to be a better experience or whatever, right? Um, and uh, now all of a sudden you have DinoDogan.com but inside the app, you also have Triber blog. You also have my podcasts. You also have my YouTube channel, right? So all of a sudden, you're exposed to more of my content than you would have been otherwise, right? Right. So, uh, and it's dude, it's all about attention. If somebody's paying attention to you, that's an opportunity for you to prove yourself right? Mm -hmm. As a valuable resource, as a trusted confidant, as someone who uh, brings value to their life and so on and so forth, right? Um, And then uh, I don't charge for my app and there's no ads in the app because I'm anti-ad. But what there is... Really? I didn't know that. Oh my God. Ads are the evilest thing that uh, ever, uh, that were ever invented. (laughs) But we can come back to that. We got to come back to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then there's four primary buttons on my app. It's read, listen, watch, and hire me. It's all verb, action-based, right? So if you want to read some stuff I wrote, click on read. If you want to listen, you click on listen, right? But the hire me piece is super important, right? When you click on hire me, it says to speak at your event. And there's an image of me speaking, and there's a form you can fill out, uh, and you know you, we can start a conversation about me speaking at your event. Uh, the the most important thing is I'm being very clear, communicating very clearly how the 
person holding the phone and opening my app, how that person and I can work together, mm -hmm. right? Now, think about that for a second, right? Um, I've known Mike Brooks, my uh, uh, Road to Ted uh, co-host. I've known him for like a year before I even knew what he did. Oh, That's wow. insane. Yeah. And yeah. I've read his content. I've been to his blog. I talk to the guy on Skype all the time, right? But the kind of universe that we live in, it's a little too obnoxious to say, hey, Vernon, you know, I speak at events. You should hire me and, you know, blah, 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 right? That's kind of obnoxious to say. A little bit. Uh, right? So, uh, but I want to, I need to communicate uh, how you and I can work together. Right. So this mobile app is essentially a, a lead generation for me uh, to speak at various events. Right. right? It, it's it, I've looked at your app and I'm looking at it now and it, it's pretty awesome little app. You can build that in 30 minutes, dude. Yeah, this is crazy because the um, just the hire me part. Mm -hmm. I mean, or call me. You've got a mm -hmm. click to call button in. It's right. nice. Goes right to your, you know, right to your touchpad. It's got your number right there. I can reach out to call you. I Absolutely. Think, I think one of the <laughs> valuable things that you have on here is that if I want to look at what you've done on Instagram, I can just mm -hmm. look at it. Yep. And I don't actually leave your app to go out there to Instagram. Right. That is crazy. And dude, and that's just generation one right there. You know what I mean? Um, uh, any business, any content creator. And if you're a business and you don't have content, here's the thing. You don't need content. You can use other people's content to populate your app. Yeah, that, I think we uh, we kind of touched on that a little bit in a Facebook discussion we were having. Uh, probably, yes. Yeah, I mean, Upworthy, right? Yeah. They have a ton of traffic. They've built an entire empire on other people's content. Huffington Post has been syndicating other people's content for 10 plus years. <laughs> Very true. So if you're a business and, uh, uh, and you don't know how to write content or whatever, just get good at curating content. And um, uh, sending that content via your app is like a really fancy form of retweet. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a retweet. It's you're actually feeding my content to your um, uh, audience, which is it's like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. No, this looks great. Oh. I, uh, yeah, I can't wait. I'm signed up for that webinar. Oh, good, good, so, good. Yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to that. So ads, why are ads evil? Oh, dude, ads are like the evilest thing in the world. People talk about NSA and privacy and whatever. The reason we have no privacy is because of ads. Uh, how is uh, Google is collecting information about us and selling it to third parties, among other things, in order to display, quote unquote, better ads? Facebook, same thing. Mm -hmm. This is one of the reasons I'm disappointed by Google and Facebook, right? They're such innovators in the technology realm. Google with search and Facebook with, uh, you know, social networking piece, right? But when it comes to business, they didn't innovate at all, right? Um, what is Google's, and when I say Google, I also mean business, uh, I also mean Facebook. Mm -hmm. What is Google's business model? It's ad, ad revenue, that's it. It's ads, right? Now, let me ask you this. 50 years ago, when all we had was three channels on TV, CBS, ABC, NBC, what was th their business model? Yeah, it was pretty much the same thing, ads. Where's the innovation? <laughs> yeah, there's not. 
There's no innovation. Uh, they cashed in on the eyeballs the same way radio has cashed in on the eyeballs 100 years ago, the same way TV has cashed in on the eyeballs 50 years ago. Uh, they, they just perpetuated the same thing over and over again. And the, the reason I'm disappointed is because Google and Facebook had an opportunity to do something great. They had an opportunity to, uh, to innovate in the business sense of that word, and they just didn't. They went for the same old, same old. So now Google and Facebook and add this share button, ugh, evilest thing in the world. Um, they collect our information and en mass. They sell it to third parties, among other things, so that as we move from one site to the next, uh, we can be served, quote unquote, better ads. Yeah. If there was no ads as a business model for Google and Facebook, there would be no need to worry about privacy because they wouldn't need to collect all this information. Very true. So that's why Triber doesn't have ads. Triber will never have ads. Uh, as long as I have control over that shit. Uh, <laughs> and the, uh, the way we've uh, uh, decided to innovate the business piece is by enabling brands to hire influencers um, by the hundreds and uh, um, as essentially brand ambassadors. So it's Michael Jordan for Nike model, but instead of hiring one brand ambassador, you hire 20 or 50 or 100 of them. Right. right. I don't think a lot of people know that about Triber. I was looking at that today and I'm like, oh, man, this is interesting from a, um, a blogger branding. You know, I want to work with a brand perspective because it becomes really difficult to get plugged in, into some of those brand networks. If, mm -hmm. you're, if you're not a mom blogger, mm -hmm. so like a guy like me, I'm not going to be talking about recipes and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be talking about this stuff. And that yeah. stuff is kind of hard to you know, get out there. I don't have a great Pinterest page. I, you know, I right. put my guest up, but that's, I mean, that's about it. And I, you know, I'll favorite some car stuff and stuff like that, but it's interesting the way that it is, is that they can hire and look at, you know, okay, I want this influencer and they have this many followers on Twitter and they've got this amount of people in their tribes. And then I can pay them a certain amount of money to talk about my brand and they have to do basically the same thing that brands hire bloggers to do in these blog networks, but it's, um, it's without pushing it in your face. At least that's the way it comes across. Well, good. Uh, and I'm glad, uh, there is a point of differentiation between, uh, the way brands and bloggers work, uh, outside of Triber. Um, uh, outside of Triber, the brand-to-blogger relationship is one of uh, sponsored posts and mm -hmm. product reviews. Right? right? And that's not what we're about, right? Uh, you're not doing sponsored posts. You're not doing product reviews. Brands are encouraged and uh, need to hire relevant influencers who are congruent with the brand. Um, sure, the campaign will have deliverables, milestones, if you will, stuff that a blogger needs to do in order to get paid at the end, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but when you hire someone who's congruent with the brand, take yourself as an example, Vernon. Um, uh, we have a campaign right now for City Hour, yeah. uh, uh, which is a little mobile app that takes LinkedIn to the next natural level. So I have like 1,700 connections on LinkedIn. Um, and when I go travel places and whatnot, I'd love to 
to meet some of these people, right? Um, but A, I don't know where they are. I don't know if they're available. Um, um, maybe I want to grow my network, right? I, LinkedIn stops there. It doesn't help me do that. It doesn't help me meet people in real life, right? So this little app, um, I open it up and boom, I see all my LinkedIn connections or people who are not even LinkedIn connections, other people who are just using the app. Uh, I see them around me and I see if they're available for a meetup, right? And we can have like a little uh, impromptu, spontaneous uh, a coffee date and talk about, you know, whatever, right? Right. So uh, someone like you um, could have your podcast sponsored by City Hour. You can uh, incur, if you're the brand ambassador, right? Uh, you can encourage people to um, uh, use the app for their own benefit. You yourself can use the app around St. Louis to meet with other people. Imagine Richard Branson was in St. Louis and bored for the next half hour and says, sure, I'll meet someone who's around. A, how would you know he's <laughs> in St. Louis? Yeah. B, how would you know he's available? So with City Hour, you can actually know that, right? So um, we're just building a campaign for City Hour, uh, and that's the kind of relationship that we want brands and blog influencers, podcasters, YouTubers, bloggers, whatever, to have with one another. It's this natural, relevant, congruent type of relationship. Right. Yeah, I think that is a that is a nice solution to, instead of just running, you know, ads in the sidebar. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You build it into the thing that you're doing. Think about how this translates into offline, right? Your grandma asks you, so Vernon, um, what are you doing these days? And you don't say podcast because grandmas don't know what podcasts are. <laughs> just I got a radio you. show. <laughs> right. You have a radio show, right? Grandmas understand radio, right? And she asks you, well, how are you making money with your radio show? And you say, well, you see, uh, brands pay me to be a spokesperson for them. And your grandma's impressed. And you have talking points for, uh, to give to your grandma and to your friends and whatnot. Right, you you have you have something to share uh, uh, when you know during Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas gathering or whatever the case might be. Right, right. It's kind of like bragging rights. I'm a, a, a celebrity getting paid for uh, brands pay me for my endorsement. <laughs> That's right. No, that is awesome. Yeah, I saw that today, and I was like, oh, you know what? I didn't know about this. We got to talk about that because it's interesting. I'm glad you said ads were evil. I'm going to be um, emceeing an event on April second. It's uh -huh. called the uh, UMSL Digital Conference. It's a, a local university here. We're going to have people from all over the place. Uh, Google's going to be there. IBM's going to be there. And Adblocker, the guys from Adblocker are going to be there. And yes. then there's a, a competing company that is going to be there talking to them about why they're blocking ads and kind of their... What do you mean why you're blocking ads? Uh, sorry, sorry. That would have been my question. Right. Like, right. What do you mean why I'm Because, A, I want my browser and load time to be b faster, right? I don't want to be tracked. Um, I, I want a better internet experience. This is why I'm, blog I'm blocking ads. Jeez. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is that they're, I think they've come to a, a truce of some type. So mm -hmm. we're going to get into all of that of they're whitelisting certain types of ads. Right. So I, I yeah, I'm wait I can't wait to dig into that conversation and cause some trouble. So mm -hmm, yeah, that's mm -hmm. that's interesting. I, I, I like that about Triber that I'm not presented with an ad every couple minutes. 
Right. Actually had to go look for it. <laughs> Good deal. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I'll tell you what, we're uh, we're actually just over an hour and I want to respect your time, but I really do appreciate you coming on the podcast. I had so much fun talking to you. It's my pleasure, Vernon. Thank you for having me. All right, man. Thanks a lot. That was an amazing interview with uh, Dino. And, I, you know, I'm I'm a little I, I have to say that I am a little surprised. And I'm also curious about what you guys think about the fact that Google and Facebook are being lazy in the way that they're delivering ads. I mean, it was really interesting to think about that, that the same way television has delivered ads over the years is the exact same way that Google and Facebook are delivering ads to us now. It's not innovative at all it is a pretty lazy approach it works but you know when you really really think about it it is kind of lazy that they are delivering ads to us the same way there's no innovation and they you know quite honestly they could have and it's just a very interesting way to look at it i had never looked at that before in that way um, um there's a video that dino did where he was going into a little bit more detail than he did on the podcast. We're going to link to that in the show notes as well. Interesting setup that Triber has. If you guys have not used it, I would you know suggest that you go out there and you you know join a couple tribes and you look at Triber and how traffic is generated back and forth to your blogs using Triber and joining a tribe and people sharing content because you have to you have to approve content to be shared and just interacting with the network. It is a very interesting network. I have seen some traffic from it uh, just in playing around with it over the past couple days and getting ready to talk to Dino. So very interesting, Dino. Again, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Really did appreciate him spending the time, you know, to talk to us and, you know, give us some of his knowledge and just, you know, kind of talk about what's what in in his space and the whole, you know, owning a social network and how to get started kind of thing. So it was it was a really fun interview for me and I just enjoyed talking to Dino a whole lot. So I also did want to thank you guys uh, for, you know, the reviews and ratings on Stitcher and iTunes. Recently just got one from Buff Daddio. It was really good. You know, I got a read this one i'm um i'm getting in the habit of reading a couple of these because if you guys are going to go through the trouble of posting them i think that they deserve to be heard so this one you know um <laughs> he goes let's see i gotta i gotta actually get to the review you would think i'd be ready right so it was it's called great down-to-earth guy awesome content so many business strategy and social media podcasts involve just the host talking about how amazing they are not vernon he's happy to share what's worked what he's learning and gets guests to share tips that can work for all of us not just uh you know not just big budget businesses that is a really really kind and you know thoughtful comment and i mean we want i want to know that kind of stuff i want to know if you guys are getting value from it and it's you know the show's not about me at all it is about learning how to use social media to make the best of your online business learning how to network effectively you know in your professional life in your um you know work work job slash business. If you're an entrepreneur, whatever you do, you have to know how to properly network with people and build that network to get the things that you want and to provide others with the things that they need. So I, it, it always helps to hear positive feedback from people really do love it. And you know, it's, it's, it's very humbling and I really do appreciate all the time that you guys take because it takes a few minutes to leave a review and a rating. So, so yeah, again, thanks a lot guys for, you know, all those ratings and reviews really do appreciate it. You can find out all about Dino at dinodugan.com. That's D-I-N-O-D-O-G-A-N.com. All of his information is there. The Facebook, the Twitters, the blog, everything you can pretty much find out about Dino 
is out there. So definitely go check him out. A um, lot of stuff to say. And oh, by the way, he just launched a new mobile creation platform called Amaze Brain. So go out to the Amaze Brain website and check that out. It's going to be doing a, um, a paid webinar for that. It's um, I think it's coming up in the next couple of weeks. Looks really amazing. Shows you how to basically build a mobile app with all types of features in it. Uh, I actually have it on my computer. Uh, I installed it as he was talking about it, just looking through it. It's some pretty amazing stuff, and we talked about it in the episode. So definitely check that out. If you're thinking about you know doing a mobile app for your business, this is probably one of the better ones I've seen. And apparently it does not take that much to do it. You can do it in about 30 minutes with, I think, no designers and everything else. So definitely check that out. And again, Dino, thanks a lot. And I will see you in the next episode. about Amaze Brain a little bit. And Amaze Brain, well actually I didn't talk about Amaze Brain. We mentioned it in the podcast, but it wasn't until a few days ago that I was talking to Dino and guess what he's going to do for you guys. For anyone that's actually on my email list or anyone that makes it to the end of the podcast, I'm giving you a super secret discount code. It is called Secret 30. All you have to do is enter that in on the webinar page at Amaze Brain. When you register, and you're going to get 30% off. So there you go. That's straight from Dino. You can share that code. If you listen to the podcast, it is secret 30. You'll get 30% off the registration for this amazing mobile app. All right, guys. Until next time, see you later.